Welcome to the Pair Program from Hatchpad, the podcast that gives you a front row seat to candid conversations with tech leaders from the startup world. I'm your host, Tim Winkler, the creator of Hatchpad. And I'm your other host, Mike Ruin. Join us each episode as we bring together two guests to dissect topics at the intersection of technology, startups, and career growth. What's going on, everyone? We are back for another episode of The Pair Program. I am your host, Tim Winkler, accompanied by my co-host, Mike Gruen. Mike, how are you today, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm good. It's Friday. Yeah, exactly. Complain. Um, cool. want to talk today about um, this concept of getting layered. So, uh, you know, what, what is layering? Uh, it's a situation where, you know, you've been an employee at a startup for a certain amount of time. And the leadership decides to hire someone above you. Um, so uh, a common, you know, common scenario. Uh, we've got some great guests here today to um, uh, shed some light on the topic. They've seen this situation play out from a few different perspectives. So, um, you know, Sean and Ken, thanks for spending some time with us today. Hey, y'all. Hey. Welcome. Cool, cool. All right. So before we dive into the discussion uh, and the pair program tradition, we like to kick things off with a fun segment called Pair Me Up. Pair, pair me up. This is an, a segment where we, we go around the room, uh, we shout out a, a complimentary pairing. So Mike, uh, lead us off uh, for today. So I'm going uh, with uh, cheesecake and habanero peppers. Um, nice layer of hot peppers on top of the cheesecake. It's, it's really hits the spot. I, I love it. It's the sweet and the spicy and then the fat from the cheesecake really helps bring it all together. How did you um, come across that? I'm just curious. So, was it like uh, served at a- yeah, it was served. So uh, second job I was at, the CEO for his birthday, uh, forced everyone to have a piece of his his cheesecake that he put these habanero peppers all over. Like it was covered. You couldn't see the top of the cheesecake. It was just these slices of pepper. Um, <laughs> and he basically forced it all on us. And I like spicy stuff anyway, so it wasn't that big a deal. And I tried it. I was like, this is, this is amazing. I'm glad you, you made me eat this. And uh, yeah. So that's how I fell in love with it. I gotta, gotta experiment <laughs> with that. Sounds like a heartburn nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> well, the fat from the cheesecake kind of helps a little bit with that. It smooths it out, evens it out. <laughs> evens it out. <laughs> nice. Um, cool. I'm gonna go with um everything bagels and toothpicks. Uh <laughs> for the most part, I have never in all all my years eaten an everything bagel without just getting poppy seeds in all different crevices of my teeth. And of course, this morning. Had one, had a call with my CFO, you know, we're doing the, the Zoom. And then we wrap up, I go look in the mirror and I've got like six poppy seeds all, all, up, in my, all up in my teeth. And I'm like, uh, I think this needs to be standard anytime you get served like an everything bagel. It just comes with a toothpick or, you know, a dental pick, something like that. Because it's, yeah. it's, the problem's real. So, um, Kim, what about yourself? What's your pairing? Oh, so I'm going something totally non-food related. I'm going to go with uh, first day of PTO or first day of vacation and direct deposits. Mm. I think that's a... (laughs) Like when you are out, like you're in Spain, you're in Las Ramblas and you want to buy like these expensive cheeses and you're like, you know... I should think I have enough. And then like you see that direct deposit hit. You're like, oh, snap. I can do- you know what? Wrap up that whole roll of Manchego. I am taking it back to my hotel room and I'm just going to chill and eat it. That 
Nice. It's, it's beautiful. Take the whole wheel. Take the whole <laughs> wheel. That's what I'm bringing back. <laughs> I like that. That's nice. I like that. Uh, Sean, how about yourself? What, yeah, what do you well, got? Uh, I tried thinking of something not food related, but failed. Uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, salt and vinegar. Uh, not so much for the chips, because any condiment worth eating has salt and vinegar in it. Like mm. hot sauce, it's like, oh, you got your, your jalapeno and salt and vinegar. Your habanero, salt and vinegar. Uh, if it doesn't have salt and vinegar on a condiment, why bother? It's, <laughs> it's, it's good. That's <laughs> legit. I'm obsessed. <laughs> With salt and vinegar chips, I mean that's 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 the goat chip in my opinion. You just yeah, you start there and then maybe think about something else to go with it. That's right. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, um, all right, let's let's go ahead and uh, wrap this up and, and transition into the the heart of the the discussion here today. Let's so, dive in. Uh, as I mentioned, we are going to be talking about this concept of getting layered, um, and we strategically selected you know our two guests today as they've. They have each seen this layering play out from different perspectives. For example, Kim, you know, you've been in a role in the past where, you know, you were the one getting layered. Sean, you've been layered before, but you've also sat in like a manager seat of, of the one who's doing the layering. And then there's also this third perspective um, that uh, we'll dissect as well, which is a little bit more of like the perspective of the new hire that's being brought into the company and how that person might navigate the situation with the person that they maybe just hopped over on the totem pole. So um, I'm going to start it off with you, Kim, uh, and I think it'll be helpful to get some, uh, provide some context for our listeners here. You know, what has been your experience with layering? Uh, my experience has always been I'm hiring. It's one of two things. It's one I'm hiring for my new boss. Um, there's lots of there's lots of nuances in there, but at least like, hey, we're going to bring a VP in. This person is going to report to you, or you're going to report to them. Let's just see if they fit. And then the other part is uh, me. Like they want to put me in a new, in it, not just like in a new cake, but like a new. Uh, like pastry display. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to think about it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And I and I um might have skipped over this, but just a quick intro, I guess, on your yeah, your title as well, like the the roles that you've served in the past. Oh, my so I've gone you know full stack, full stack dev, regular, regular uh coding monkey to then moving into like team lead, tech lead, subject matter expert, uh, and then gradually moving into like project lead or PM, and now I'm officially into the engineering manager role, the EM role. Uh and then there's this there's this thing of like, well, we, we kind of want you to to move into the project management again because you're really good at it. And I'm like, eh, okay. <laughs> Yes. Why not? Um, Sean, what, what, what about yourself? Quick intro on uh, you know, a little bit of, of how you've progressed uh, to your current situation and then um, yeah, your experience with layering. Yeah. So um, my experience has been coming from uh, being like a junior dev, uh, coming up the ranks, having people sometimes come in above uh, as that progresses, uh, moving into uh, engineering manager role. Um, heading up uh, uh, an engineering team and then also kind of fit within another engineering team, uh, even in my current role where not that long ago was a CTO and a couple of devs and now the team's growing and layers are getting introduced throughout all of this. So, and, and what's the, the what's the size of the uh, startup that you're currently working? working uh, the engineering team is about 27. 
right now. And total headcount? Total headcount is around 280. Okay, cool. Um, Mike, you, you know, you, you've also got some experience with this topic. So I'm curious to hear your, yeah, little, your, um, your I think I've been I'm trying to think, um, I've definitely come into, I've been the person coming in like where they sort of have an engineering team. There's a senior engineer and they have decided to hire a VP of engineering and, and been that guy, uh, coming in. Um, and also definitely, uh, not so much in the layering as much as like I was transitioning out of the company and moved into a product role to make room for a new VP of engineering and sort of brought somebody in. But it's a very similar sort of process of here's a new boss and we're not promoting from within. It's it's not so much layering as much as just like, I don't know, just this re- replacement, but you know, and how does that all work? But those are, those are my primary experiences. Cool. So Kim, yeah, I like this analogy that you use about like, almost like looking at it as like layering a cake. Um, so, you know, what are, I guess, some, some advice or recommendations for, for tech leaders out there um, that are getting ready to, to, you know, to do some layering, like how, how to uh, best practices, anything out there that you, uh, that comes to mind for you? Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is about just the interview cycle and deciding who should be a part of it. I find that it's, I find it kind of curious that oftentimes when when you're trying to layer somebody in, especially somebody you know who's going to have reports, that the people who will report to them aren't included in the interview process. I find that so fascinating. Uh, I think because I came from education when I was a teacher, and it was super common, at least at the last school I was at, where the students would actually ask questions to the incoming candidate, like, "What do you you know just just things like you know what do you see." What do you what do you see in our neighborhood? Stuff like that. And so I'm asking myself, like, why don't we include the folks who are going to eventually report to this person? Because it, it not only one number one, you can figure out if they're a culture fit. Um, but two, you are actually you are ensuring that your engineers are going to probably stay in the company because they feel included. One thing to to say, I want to include your ideas and we want to move to serverless, but it's another thing to say. I really want your opinion on a very big decision at the company and it matters. I just find it so fascinating that they don't, oftentimes they don't include it. It'll just be peer interviews as opposed to uh, reports. And then I think the the second thing is, um, you know, it, and sometimes it, it doesn't, it doesn't work where the candidate who the, the people, the people, <laughs> the, <laughs> the peasants want or whatever uh, is what, you know, a, a C-level person wants. Um, and it's really important to be transparent to say, this is why I chose this individual over what you said, and to be ready for any pushback uh, that might happen as a result of it. I think it's interesting you bring up the include the reports, because I think that there's two, there's two parts to that. Because if you're going to include them, which I, like you, believe you should, um, then you also have to listen to them. Because I think what I've seen, I've definitely seen this at other organizations where they're included, but it's clear their opinion doesn't matter, that they're they're just right. And so if you're going to include them, then their opinion also has to matter. Otherwise, you're better off actually saying, hey, we're doing the search. We know what we're looking for. And we hope that you like this person. We hope that blah, blah, blah. But like, we know what we're looking for. It, it's I think the worst is to include people and then sort of not really care about their opinion. I even think I'd take that even a step farther and in, in saying like, oh, we're looking for someone that has these qualifications. But then the report should actually be weighing it. What do they need? 
for someone right. and actually weighing even a step more like mm-hmm. this is what they want and again yeah, def- and bringing right. those two worlds together mm-hmm. yeah definitely like what right what are the things that we think we need like who better i i agree i mean i'm a big like i'm all about i, I would go beyond empowering people to um this concept of like emancipation where it's like they're free i want my engineers to just be able to do and i don't want a manager that's you know I, i'm not very top down and so yes i would love nothing more than like um their participation what's interesting though is when i hired my replacement at a company um the engineers weren't actually that involved um the people that this person was going to be reporting to what uh, he was an int- but here's the thing he was an internal referral from a couple of the people who had worked with him previously a couple of the very senior engineers who had worked with him previously um and we just knew that he was going to fit and it worked out great like there was it, it we knew that it was going to be good and it did so we couldn't like the idea of having all of these people interview him seemed sort of almost pointless because we just had such a good feel for him. But it is funny that I say that, but that's the way it worked out and it worked out really well. And some people who reported to him were like, Hey, he's actually a better manager than you, Mike. So thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good perspective too. And I, and I would almost go as far, as far as saying too, like the, the candidate that you're, you're bringing in that, that you're interviewing, like that you, you almost want them to push for that. Like, Hey, can I meet, you know, the folks on that are going to be, if, if it's not a part of the process, like bring it up and say, would it be okay if I talk with some of the folks that would oh, be yeah. on, I, on my team? I've done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and the recruiter had been like, Oh, we never thought about that. And I was like, that's why you want to hire me. Cause right. I'm going to bring this. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, I totally agree. Right. I've definitely pushed for the, the meeting with the people who are going to be reporting to me. I, I want to know what, like the, what the real problems are. And like, this is like, our, yeah. yeah. And they're the ones who are going to tell you. Mm-hmm. What about from the uh, perspective of, you know, the, the person that's getting layered, right? Um, what, you know, when, when is that something that maybe it's, when's the right time to bring it up uh, to address it? Um, and even so, like I, I, I can even trace this back to like, you know, when you're interviewing for a position, um, you know, is it out of line to say like, hey, just want to, you know, understand one, my career growth path here. But two, um, you know, what does like the hiring roadmap look like? You know, I'd like, love to know like how we, we envision this engineering or product teams like forming out uh, to kind of get a little bit of a cue of, of, you know, where and when this might actually happen, you know, to you when you're joining something, uh, a startup or, organic, organically, it's going to be growing. So of course there's going to be folks brought in, but where, where do I fall into that? So, uh, yeah, let's, let's chat about it from the, from the perspective of the, the person that is getting layered. Oh, that's uh, <laughs> you come at that one from so many angles. Because yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's, it's, yeah, having people come in, but me, it can be like deeply emotional, just like, hey, why, why is this person coming in? What am I, where am I not uh, meeting the needs uh, of the company? But I think having uh, the expectations of what's needed more than just, hey, we're bringing someone in um, can really like set the tone of like, yeah, this is the role. This is what we need from the role. And if looking at that, it's like, yeah, I am not qualified for that role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and, and getting kind of buy-in that, okay, there is a need um, from others that, that uh, there's something missing. Mm-hmm. I have yet to find like a startup that 
maybe because I worked in smaller startups. So the idea of like career growth is like, yeah, 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 we'll get to it. Uh, the the small to mid-sized companies, I I at least expect them to say in the future, we will plan for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I haven't really seen it from like a, a startup, maybe a startup that's like on funding round, like H, <laughs> you know, as you mm-hmm. get into the later, the later letters that you can actually see it happening. Uh, most of the time, the companies I worked on have just been working on product, just trying to get part of product market fit. Uh, I will say this, that that um, it's important, like when I, I bring it up, I, I'm going to say, if I'm going to stay here for, you know, two, three years, like if I'm going to stay here long enough to invest my stock, then I need to be having, we need to be having that conversation about career growth. Um, and my, and I usually, I'm pretty upfront. I'm saying my expectation that is in a year, I should have a team. Um, and it's, it's kind of like, not, not like a warning. I'm not trying to like threaten anybody, but more just like, I'm letting you know, this is what I expect out of you as my manager and, and my C-level folk, my, my, mm-hmm. you know, my leadership that in a year I should be able to have grown my career because I'm great. I'm, I'm all for like bringing a product to market, but at the end of the day, I still got to get paid, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think that that aligns pretty much with like my experience as well, which is small company. Usually the conversation is sort of like, well, we're going to need everything. And we're like, all these opportunities are here for you to grow into if it makes sense, like they don't, there's not going to be a promise. There's not going to be a whatever. There's just this like, yeah, we obviously if we're successful, we're going to grow. We're going to want to, you know, I think questions around like coming into a company questions around, um, promoting from within and people's theories on that, Mm -hmm. like asking those types of probative questions to sort of get a sense of, is there an actual opportunity for me to grow here? Or as we get more and more successful, are they just going to keep hiring more and more layers above me? I think it, you can sort of get a sense for that during the interview process. But um, my experience has been right. Most startups, right. To Kim's point, like they don't really know that it's like, we're getting, hopefully we're that successful. Like we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Like mm-hmm. first let's, let's get some code out the door. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I just actually had a conversation uh, with a new CS comp sci grad. Uh, it was a, a friend of a friend. I offer I offer mentoring services just to to anybody that asks for it. And uh, awesome. I we were talking about it, and I was like, "So, what what kind of company are you targeting?" And she was pretty smart. She was like, "Well, I don't want to go into startups." And I was like, "Well, why not?" She says, "Because I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have the mentorship that I need to really you know have a strong foundation for for building my career at a startup." And I was like, "Why would you think that?" She's like, and she asked me. She point blank was like, "Well, do you?" would you do that as a beginning dev? Would you start at a startup? And I was like, that's a really good point. And most of the time, at least the startups that I've been at have always been like, we need senior ICs because we're trying to build this thing. And we need to get there as quick as possible. That being said, um, I was actually telling my, my partner this. I was like, I feel like in the past like year, I've really understood how important it is picking the right size startup when it comes to getting into people management. Because I've been in those companies where it's like, like, like you just like, like it was just said, you're like, hey, I offer all these wonderful services of like people management. I can get your teens going. And they're like, that's cool. But we actually need an air conditioner. Like, <laughs> We need an HVAC person. And you're like, oh, OK, well, just hit me up in like two years. You know, right. I, I'll gladly do it. And it's, it sucks, but it's, it's like dating. You got to find the right fit, right? Yeah, right. I, I love that point you made, uh, Mike, about just what's your philosophy on like promoting from within? Because, um, you know, I think there's something to be said about that. Like, you know, we think about that at Hatch a lot of, 
you know, we want to build this next layer of leaders. And, and for the most part, everybody's really been pretty, you know, heads down, hands on, um, you know, tackling different, different challenges like, uh, people management has been something that pr- predominantly for, you know, for the first call it up to 15 ish, it's been myself and, and, and my business partner and, you know, trying to put that next layer within, uh, uh, is something that we had to have this conversation of, you know, is, is the goal to go out and find this VP that is just going to then step in and, and be the, the person. Um, how would that, you know, how would that come across to these folks that have been loyal, been here for four years or so, and, you know, th- then communicating to them, like, no, we, we want you to be that lead. If you want to be that person, you know, we can set you up for that path. Um, and that's our philosophy and that's how we communicate it. And, I, I will say that um, you don't ever want to just <laughs> like commit to that's the only way it's going to be because there could very well be a scenario where if the business is suffering because we don't have this expertise in place, we're going to need to hire it from outside at some point. So um, trying to find a happy medium there. But I, I like from the from the a candidate's perspective of like probing that question a little bit of what historically have, have you seen a lot of your folks like go you know, go into internal promotions and can give me some examples. I think that's a, a really interesting point. I think Sean said something earlier also that's where the sort of talking to people about what the expectations are, like, why are we going outside? Why aren't we promoting mm-hmm. from within? Like what, what is it? It's, it, 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 it might not be anything personal. And in fact, actually, I think from a leadership perspective, I think there's sometimes like some hesitancy to have that conversation, but frequently people are pretty self-aware or they can be. And if you sort of explain like, well, this is what we're like, does this job sound like a job you want to do? And it's like, Oh no, hell no. Like, yeah, please hire that person. <laughs> right. I don't want, I don't want to sit in meetings all right. day and go to the board and oh have to God. deal with budgets and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, no, that's not the job. I, I thought the job was something completely different. Yeah. No, hire that person. No, that's yeah. a, like, that's exactly. I've done that recently. It's just like talk with lead engineers and like, do we want to go into a management track? Is this something you're interested in? Like, I, I need a people manager because right. I can't have 27 people report to me. Uh, so right. this is what the role entails. Do people want to get in that? And they're like, no, I want to be like hands-on keyboard, uh, incredible dev, uh, and have a long-running career that's going to go through the roof on an IC route. It's like, great, let's try to foster that. But we need someone in this role to help you do that. Right. Or to help me help you. <laughs> right. Right. Oh. yeah (laughs) i just i i think about like trying to convince like a senior ic to like move into another layer and it's just it's it's like trying to pull a burro to water like it's (laughs) like some people are just like you can convince there's a little light and others are like Hail to the nah, to the nah, nah, nah. I, I think it's interesting is there's people who the, the, the very, the, the most senior engineers generally already know now that's not what I want. It's, mm. the, it's a couple, la- it's just a couple layers below or a couple of years of experience below that where they think that's what they want. And, uh, and then you start talking about what the job really is and they're like, oh, that's not the job I thought it was. But I, I remember the first time I was promoted a manager and um, uh, my team lead came in and she's like, I have children older than you. And she's like, I used to think I wanted to sit in that seat. I sat in that seat for like a month and hated it. And then, you know, blah, 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 and had that conversation. It was a really healthy conversation because I do think that a lot of people assume that the only way to move up in an organization is through management. And they don't know about like the sort of staff engineer and the 
the the senior mm-hmm. I you know uh, IC type route, staying technical. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest things: is making sure that people can see that route, and then giving them a taste of what some management may be. Like we're leaving exactly. the project, like not managing anybody yet, and like, but effectively, you are you're doing like ninety percent of the people management on this project. Get a right. taste of it. Get a taste of it again, and then just like, what did you like? What did you not do? Some like retrospectives in a one-on-one on that to see what it is that they're they're really getting out of that role. And is it like, oh, I just love solving this like deep architectural problem. That's awesome. And like, well, what about this side? Like, oh yeah, we kind of like didn't really pay attention. So doubling down on that tech side is super helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think good leaders should have a pulse on what their team wants. Um, This is going to come by way of, you know, your, your one-on-ones. If those are, weekly, monthly, what have you, um, there should be an ongoing communication that's happening here, but, but between, Hey, you know, uh, are, are you satisfied here? You know, what, what are the things that you, you want to get more exposure to, or what are the things we want, might want to dial back if we're putting too much on your plate that, that should kind of set the stage for, Oh, you know, I've talked to six of my, uh, senior folks and not a single person has communicated that people management is of interest this is a, a good cue, right? Like maybe we need to start looking out outside for this next person. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, good, good leaders will have that, should have that pulse. Um, but it def, def, definitely gets tricky the larger you get, right? Because there's going to be that many more layers of, of folks that need to kind of communicate that up the, the flagpole. Um, so I think we talked a little bit about this, Kim, but like um, when, we were, when we were doing a discovery session, I don't remember any of this. What are you talking about? I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> We've got you on, on the record. Got you on the record. Um, so, you know, so, so you, you get layered and it, let's just say it was a, a really poor scenario, the, the way it played out. Um, you know, how do you tactfully kind of, how do you tactfully go like move forward from there? Like what, what are some of those, uh, what are some of your options? I mean, I'm going to be very, very careful how I say this. Uh, I usually just leave. I mean, <laughs> let, let, I, I, I know, not, I know maybe some listeners probably be like, that sounds r- ridiculous. Like, why would you do that? I think, I think what it is, is that if, you know, for example, we're, we're moving layers, right? You know, we'd like, well, I see you moving in this, this part. I'm very clear with my managers and very clear with folks I report up to. Like, like one of the, like the first one-on-one is like, here is my plan. Here is what I want to do within a year. I want to be able to look back and say, I accomplished this, this, this. It's, it's not just 30, 60, 90. It's, this is where I see Kim Marino heading. heading. And uh, I hope that is what you, you see for me. Uh, I, I, learned, I learned in this industry from a really great mentor of mine, Frankie Nicoletti, who has you know, been on the show. Uh, she, she made it very clear. She's like, you should really be very honest and transparent with, your, with your, the person who was just layered above you. Because you want to establish trust and transparency and to be as honest as possible. So I always let my, my, my managers know at the beginning, this is what I want. And we ha- have an honest discussion if they see that's where, I, if that's where they see me and where I'm, I can fit into this layered cake. Um, and I'm pretty honest. Like, if I see that we're not, when I hate saying this word, aligned, I am very willing to say, you know what? I don't think I have a place here. I would much rather, I don't want to waste your time because it's very expensive. My time is very expensive and the team has things that they need to do. And there's a product that needs to get out there. There's people who have put a lot of money in investing into making sure that they actually get a return. So let's just call it even and let's part our ways. That, that's 
been my philosophy because I know I'm in demand. I can go somewhere else. I mean, recruiters are hitting me up on Twitter. Like, come on. Uh, if, for example, there's a company that I'm like, I really want to stay, I usually just wait until I hear the option and I ask myself, like, can I possibly do this for 90 days to set somebody else up for success? And as opposed to like, I'm going to try to fit myself into this little box of like, oh, I'm going to go into like product management or project management, or I'm going to go back into a senior IC role. Um, I say my, I say to myself, let me just give it 90 days so that I can make sure that the next person who they're coming, who they're going to hire has like a whole set, like a whole skeleton that they can, uh, they can work with and they can be successful. And my team that I used to have will be successful as well. Hiring the right software engineer doesn't come easy or at an affordable price. As an early stage founder growing quickly, you need strong technical talent without breaking the bank. That's why we created Scale, Hatch IT's flexible recruiting program tailored for startups hiring on a startup budget. Whether you're looking to bring on a new head of engineering or a product manager, Hatch has you covered with dedicated support from seasoned tech recruiters at a fixed monthly cost. Take back the time you've spent sourcing through your own LinkedIn connections and let Hatch handle the heavy lifting of recruiting for you. And while you're at it, give your CFO something to smile about when they're no longer paying for high-priced finder's fees. Visit us at hatchit.io to start hiring on your startup budget today. Yeah, well said. I I, I think uh, I, I mean I I I would say that um, well one you know hopefully it's not our our recruiters that are hitting you up on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we good, we good. <laughs> um, I, I would say that um, the the point about you know there's no use in wasting too much of any person's time once it's kind of been decided. Uh, and I think the idea of helping transition somebody in is is a kind gesture, but at the same time it's like. I guess it's very circumstantial, right? It's, it you know, how much, how much time has been invested in, into you by the company and vice versa. Like, uh, you know, obviously the, the tenure, uh, and the relationships that have been built, like all of that will play a part into how that transition plays out. But, um, I would just say like from a, a startup's perspective, you know, I play this out in, 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 in my, my, my company, I would say, well, let's find the person that's, you know, that's the better, that's the better fit for what we need right now. And just, let's go our separate ways. You know? I much prefer to just go uh, passive aggressive and undermine that person as much oh, as possible. Oh, I love that. You <laughs> said that with some conviction. I, I'm not. I'm sure maybe there's some sort of a story that you might want to tell at some point. No, not at all. Um, uh, Sean, what about yourself? Any anything on that topic that you? Yeah, you I, mean, I found that a lot of times in startups, uh, people can get like they really actually want to see the startup succeed. So I I found that as people are leaving and like, I've done that myself. Like when I know I'm leaving, trying to set the company up for mm -hmm. success. Um, yes. Like the decisions made, we're going to leave quickly. It's going to happen, but what's actually that, that right time. Because a lot of times people are like, I love the team here. Mm -hmm. It's like, I love them where, where things are going. It's just not right for me right now. And we have that great common understanding. So how can we help? Like I'd love to help support people outside. Like, help them find their next role, uh, set the team up so that the, the rest of the org can move without them. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Um, I think, I think back a couple jobs, um, the CEO there really hammered this on a lot of occasions as we grew. We, I, when I joined, there were, um, six people. So I was like employee seven or eight, something like that. Um, the idea of like, just 
leave a place better than the way you found it. And every time we brought in somebody else, and there were a few times, and I forgot actually that the person who uh, hired me ended up, I don't know if he ended up reporting to me or if he ended up reporting to somebody else that he ended up, that he had hired, but whatever. There was all this like, there was this constant like moving around at a certain layer um, at a certain phase when we we're about 20 to 20 so people. Um, but that idea of like when somebody was leaving, they're like, hey, you know, the CEO was really like, hey, they, this person did a great job. They're leaving it better mm-hmm. than the way they found it. They're they're really setting the next person up for success. And I think that's always my goal um, whenever I leave an organization is, you know, is it better off that I had been there? Wait, as opposed as opposed to following the park, the, the rule in the national parks, leave no trace. Leave a company as if you were never there. <laughs> That's funny. I actually love that, though. Like, if I can, if, like, if I know I'm going to be leaving, can I just like ghost out of the organization and have everything keep going? Like if that can happen, it's like success. Yeah, that's <laughs> like, all, I mean, I think that's not a bad. I don't think that's a bad measure of success either. Of, of like, but uh, the, the the leave no trace ghosting. <laughs> get get your shit out of here, you know. Like get get gone. Actually, just stop showing up and see if they keep paying you and for how long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's when you need the direct deposit teed up. Yeah. <laughs> While you're in Spain, <laughs> eating cheese. <laughs> oh man. So, so uh, we got a few minutes left. I do want to take it from the perspective of the 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 person, the new person coming into the into the company, oh, yeah. because uh, you know there can be a little hostility, maybe, and or just a little like awkwardness for the first you know week, month, or whatever it might be. So, what 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 would you recommend uh, to somebody that's coming into the org that's just trying to you know figure out their place, <laughs> especially <laughs> when the but like your manager was overlooked for that position and you're like, Oh, yeah, <laughs> some that, drama. I mean, I, maybe cause I'm in LA. I love like petty drama like that, but reality TV. I'm just like, Ooh, it's going to get good. I can't wait for the onsite. Ooh, I, I hope they come to blows, you know? <laughs> um, I, you know, I think that what I would do is, um, Especially when there's drama like that, um, and some people will be like, "Oh, you're not your you're alliances." I'm like, "I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. That's that's middle school stuff. That's that stuff. I, I don't. I, I'm not a kid. Um, I usually just try to make myself available to like the new person, especially if they're like in a leadership position. Um, I, I do it strategically. I say, you know, if you need to know what our rituals, what our processes are, I'm probably going to be the person you can ask. Um, because it actually sets myself up for um, for success success with the new person. Mm-hmm. They know to go to me. Um, it's sort of like I'm I'm already like working my way to, towards a certain position I might want. I've done that before, where I've like leveraged my way so that I could say to this new person, say like, "Hey, I'm you know the person in charge of X, Y, and Z so far. Uh, I'm willing to change it, uh, but here's what I know, and here's the strengths of this team." And actually, it will set me up for like my next role. Um, and it's made me very, very happy. It's if anything, it's it's shown it shows the other the new the new VP, the new CEO, whatever. Uh, I'm here to help you be successful. Um, and actually, the other thing I, I like to do, especially if they're coming in an engineering org as opposed to like marketing, I always try to put the new person through the orientation that all engineers go through, so that they can know the product. And like, I actually will have a conversation with them like our first day and say like. 
so what are your goals for like the next 90 days? And they're like, excuse me. I'm like, well, you're onboarding as an engineer first because you need mm-hmm. to understand the product. So I'm just going to walk you through this process. Um, it's always this thing where like someone comes from like a big company, you know, they, they used to be in charge and here I'm going, so were you able to get your local dev environment set up? <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's, it's been super successful because it, it ramps them up and they can understand the pain points that my team will go through. And then they'll be like, hey, Kim, can you help me out with this pro- pro- uh, problem? I'll be like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sean, what about yourself? Uh, anything that you recommend for, for that new person coming in? That's, you know, how, how they want to address like the team that they're going to be running. Yeah. So um, like Kim brought up a, a, a good point around like, these are the pain points. You get to know those pain points. Um, but uh, one thing that I've encountered, probably because I've made this mistake, uh, is going through the like an interview process coming into be a layer like this is how I see things could change this is how I see we could make a difference and then when actually taking on that role you don't know jack mm-hmm. honestly um, and like being able to be upfront about that and talk with the engineers talk with the team because they are going to know so much more about what needs to be done than you do and it starts building up the the communication which is necessary to to build those relationships and then find those pain points and find the direction and have them actually start leading that um because if you're like oh yep this is the problem this is how you fix it it's gonna be wrong let's be honest (laughs) it's gonna be wrong yeah i think you should be spending like to your point like i think you should be spending probably the first 30 days just listening like when i came in took over an engineering team that's you know it was like just let them talk let them tell you what the problems are don't you know if there's some obvious things that you can do to help like obviously do that but for the most part you want to listen you want to i agree like you Right. Listen and coach and like if they have questions like, oh, here's something I've seen. Maybe you could explore that and, and really continue to empower uh, as much as possible. Yep. Uh, cool. Yeah, I get a lot of like uh, I get a lot of visuals of the office with like Dwight <laughs> and Andy competing for the assistant to the assistant manager, assistant manager. No, I'm the assistant to the assistant manager. It's <laughs> pretty, pretty comical. Um. Cool. Well, I think uh, any any last uh, last talking points before we transition to the next segment covered quite a bit. So cool. Let's jump in. Uh, so this uh, this next segment is called Round Out My Career. Uh, it's a fun segment where we spin this community wheel that's behind me. Uh, it's got topics and questions that are crowdsourced from the Hatchpad community, and they can you know range from anything from compensation to diversity. Um, let's give it a spin and see what uh, today's topic will be. Let's round it out. My my Pat Sajak impersonation here. Oh shit! It's actually the giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, tell them what they've won. Raspberry Pi. <laughs> <laughs> So um, Kim's excited. She's like, is, am I getting that? No, it's actually. Uh, Wait, I, not, thought y'all, I thought you were talking about an actual pie. I'm like, you talking about food? I was, I was like, confused. Hell is yeah. this a cake? Are we talking layers? How do you layer a pie? How do you layer a cake? Yeah, right? Ice cream on top? So oh, not, not the actual dessert, but uh, Raspberry Pi, the tech. Uh, we will be passing that off to uh, somebody randomly within the Hatchback community. We'll we'll draw that next uh, next week and uh, make that announcement uh, at some point in the next few weeks. So that's uh, the first time that's happened in, in some time. So you all are, are good luck. Let's 
let's just pick a let's just pick a a, a random question then um i kind of like the compensation bucket right now because it is mm. very top of mind mm. and uh a very speaking of direct deposits um so i want to um i want to take this question but maybe do it from uh maybe from the uh perspective of like a, a leader a manager who's trying to hire um so you know obviously getting into a negotiation over comp it's going to happen at some point um any uh any tips i guess uh from you know how you would you would handle it from the technical leader side trying to negotiate with it with an engineer coming in um they're obviously going to have uh you know their you know their stance on things but uh how how can you go about this tactfully when you're trying to make this make this work Sean Sorry. you're you're uh <laughs> yeah you you you've, you've done a, a bit of hiring how how I've does this uh, work for you I think um a couple of the things that that have have worked is um, knowing which levers we can pull. Like, what does someone actually really want? Is is salary going to be something that that drives someone? Is equity going to be something that drives one? And knowing that there's a few different options to try to help make things work. Um, also, knowing depending on where your company is, like what is actually feasible. Um. And understanding the 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 value of of the role. I mean, I've had engineers come in like, "This is my comp." I'm like, "Great, I'm going to give you more," because right. like that is really like what what mm-hmm. this role would be driving. Um, um, and I think those are the the biggest things to because really we're trying to reach a mutual agreement here. Mm-hmm. We're no one. It's just, we're not trying to win um, and trying to find other. Uh, ways to to help out like oh maybe we can make come up with a, a bonus program something to to make it work get a little creative mm-hmm. Kim, i can't wait to hear your thoughts on this this topic um <laughs> let's let's get your spicy your spicy take uh my spicy take will i mean for me it's uh not it, it's not equity in terms of stock but equity with the salaries uh i'm usually the person on the team that when they're like Oh, it's, you know, they'll be like, oh, it's a, it's a male, you know, candidate. We're going to pay this. I go, what are we paying the, the other female, the female engineer in this role? Is it the same? And mm-hmm. they'll be like, oh no, this person's going to get more because of market. I go, then we should make sure that that person is also getting a raise too. So we should include mm-hmm. that in the offer that we're, we're giving this person in terms of budgeting. Uh, one, one thing I, this is of course pre Panini. Um, I, uh, I, I remember having to negotiate, uh, uh, work from home. That was a big thing prior mm-hmm. to the pandemic. Uh, and I remember having to tell the CEO, like, listen, you're getting a really good data engineer. Uh, I know them personally. And you, the one thing like you want, don't want to negotiate on is them being able to work from, you know, on a hybrid schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really, that was probably the most difficult thing. It wasn't anything with the, with the candidate. And it's, it's, I think like as a, as a, as a beginning EM, I always thought like the hardest part was going to be negotiating with the candidate. The thing is the candidates know what they want. They, they're like, I want X number. I want this much equity. I want this bonus. or I want this title. It's always the company. It's always the C-level people who were like, Oh no, that's not what I had in mind. I don't know what I want. Well, and maybe they could like, for example, this data engineer, they didn't know. Oh, well, I don't know. I think I want them in the office. And I'm like, 
you need to define this before because these right. are going to be some some these are going to be some curveballs people are going to throw you. What if I were to come to you and say, "Here's this great candidate. They're going to come under you know under budget, but they you know they need three months, three weeks off, you know right away." Mm-hmm. Is that going to be a make or break? Um, and that for me, I then end up going back and and redefining this with my team to say like, before we start searching for someone, let's plan. Let's plan about like. If we have scenario A where they want to work, you know, they want to work hybrid or they they want, you know, 5% more than what we can possibly offer them. What are we going to do? Um, and, and that's where I actually have those conversations with our recruitment team, our um, our HR, which I don't think a lot of EM folks do aside from like, here's the candidate. Please go ahead and talk to them. I actually will yeah. start a plan, a planning session about like, what about we have these curveballs? What, what can I work with? Has this been defined yet? Does, you know, does the CEO know what he wants in terms of like, um, you know, work from home or, or whatnot? Right. That's funny because I, I that you say about, about having the HR team and, and having them negotiate. I, I don't like having them negotiate because I don't think that they can negotiate the way I can. Like, look, during the interview, the part of my interview process and frequently, like the fact is at startups, you need people from here to here, like the 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 width of the role like you could hire this person if i can get this person for this salary and they can fit this and they can do 80% of what i want and i'm going to pay you know whatever like sometimes there's you just have a big wide range of what you're looking for and so for me my interview process is figuring out like where are they on on the on the in that range like are they senior what should their title be blah 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 and so when we get to the end frequently we're within pretty close range on compensation and it's usually to Sean's point, sometimes it's like, they're like, oh, you're going to pay me more than I want. And it's like, yeah, that's what we pay. Like, I don't want, I, like my, my general philosophy to, to your point, Kim, is like, I want to be able to print out everybody's salary and put it in the kitchen and everybody look at it and be like, yeah, that makes sense. And, and I know that we can't do that because people are sensitive about that stuff, but that's my philosophy. So mm-hmm. with that in mind, the, the hardest part is when you're, when there's that, there's an expectation gap between where you think the person is maybe that maybe they want $10,000 more or a slightly different title, or maybe it's 15,000 or whatever it is. They, they have bigger expectations than where you thought you saw them coming in. In which case I usually have a pretty like candid conversation. It's like, cool. I'm, you know, if I really think you're capable of doing this and you think you're capable of doing this, let me explain to you what's going to happen. I'll do that. And I'm going to have higher expectations on you. And this is what I'm going to expect. And if you don't think that you can do live up to these expectations, we're probably going to have a very uncomfortable conversation in 90 days in the next 90 days. But if you think that that's what you're worth and you're you're and and what I found is most people are pretty self-aware and they're like, yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm sorry that I interviewed poorly and you thought that I'm here, but I'm here. And then like they come in and you're like, holy shit, how did we get it so wrong during the interview process? And they're great. In other cases, yeah, they they overinflated themselves and you're going to have an uncomfortable conversation. But in general, I've, I've yet to be in that situation where I've had that candid conversation with someone and said, look, that's cool, but these are my expectations. They've, they haven't let me down. Now there's mm-hmm. been times where I've been like, I can't afford that. Like, I get that that's where you are. I get that's what you're at. And the fact is I can't like, we just can't make that work. That's a totally different thing. Um, but yeah. Yeah. A couple of things on that. Uh, so one, you know, obviously we, we run a recruiting company, so we, we're constantly in the trenches of, of having these conversations, not just with candidates, but at coaching, coaching our, our customers and, and the hiring managers, because I think one of the things that we see too is one, you know, if your recruiting team isn't really getting that information from the start up front, you know, you're just going to waste a lot of people's mm-hmm. time 
through the process. Yeah. So that needs to be that needs to be uh, communicated early on to make sure that final stage, that final process, that person already knows like from the first couple of days of this candidate in, in interviewing. Okay, this is what this individual is looking for. Is it is it even feasible? Because some of the requests right now are just outlandish. But um, beyond that, you, you made a good point, Kim, because I think it's important to have that communication between the recruiters and the technical leaders because they there needs to be this understanding of what the market's doing and it's happening very fast. And so they that the you know the the uh, VP of engineering might not be so privy to the fact that you know, just in the last few months, you know, we're seeing this type of an uptick and it's, it's happening every single day. We're getting these kind of responses. Uh, you know, they're not maybe tuned into that as much as the recruiter is because they're getting that true market feedback constantly. So I think that back and forth communication. Um, but then I, as far as like trying to think of creative ways to negotiate beyond just the comp, I think it plays into this conversation we're talking about today. It's like, what is the growth potential here? Because, you know, if you want to think about, you know, hiring for a long-term role, um, paint the picture for the person and get them excited. And if you can't do that, you know, then there's probably this, not a good, uh, not a good chance that this person's going to be there long-term. It'll just be more of a, what is my, what's my immediate comp? And then, you know, that's what I care about versus the, the promotion, the promotion track that we've got, you know, forecasted for your specific role comes with some very uh, aggressive comp increases or, or this type of a, a bump in, in a year or two, just so they have something that they can realistically look forward to. I think that's something that, especially in startup world, right? Where it's like, there's clearly opportunity for advancement here. You just need to understand it going in so that you're not just going in for this role today. You're going in for the role that you're going to be here for the next three to five years. And I, actually, I wanted to clarify something. I think there's a big difference between the in-house recruiters and the, the external. Like when I work with an external agency, I want to work with the external agency. I want them to have that conversation. They're going to be able to be a good middleman in a way or middle person in a way that mm -hmm. I can't. And so I, it's a very different thing when it's what I don't want is for someone who's working with, you know, going to work for me, have so much of their initial impression of the company based on their experience with someone else that's already at the company, which might, you know, I, I prefer them to have that with me. Now, if it's an external recruiter, that this is what they do day in and day out, happy to leverage that. And I, I think that's an important thing. And that's one of the advantages of using a firm or an agency. And hopefully they can uh, identify all those curveballs uh, right. early. So <laughs> exactly. it could be those total yeah. things that are not comp related. Like, oh, all right, let's talk about that. Before we go through an interview process, well, I mean that's right. That's that's the whole point of an like if an agency yeah. is giving me candidates that I can't use, like then why am I using this agency? I think that oh, that's exactly. the, you know what I mean. So, <laughs> but I even look at you got like a bigger internal. problem there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I even look at that with like internal recruitment. It's just like yeah, we're trying to find these curveballs early and have that conversation mm -hmm. early. Say like okay, this is what the person's expecting. Oh, they have this scenario that they want to play out, um, yeah. and uh, being able to to address that and you know also in the early stages like working in like a mission-based organization like the mission and actually what we're trying to do outside of salary brings it some of its own compensation right. so like if it gets down to like honestly if we're looking at candidates are like oh i need this and we're talking salary at the beginning it's like maybe this isn't actually the right fit for you because yeah. like we are very mission driven and that is part of the compensation yeah of what we're trying to do yeah, it's it's interesting too because a lot of like some of the maybe the mission driven companies you, you can almost kind of correlate like like a nonprofit maybe right they actually are the ones that maybe don't have as much funding 
or the money to pay the the robust salary. But um, you know, your your task as a recruiter is to to drive in and dial in on the folks that have something in their background that's gonna you know they, they've worked health tech in the past and they clearly like understand or they love music and they they think that this music tech you know company is gonna be you know a place where they just really get behind the subject matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to you have to drive that home with. The, the recruiting team because you know otherwise they're just going to be picking and choosing anybody and that's when comp really becomes a little out of control mm-hmm. when you're just hiring um, mercenaries yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's cutthroat out there um i'll tell you what though we're, we've got an episode coming up that's all about compensation so i'm i'm, I'm pretty jazzed about it so it should be a pretty juicy uh discussion <laughs> um but uh yeah aside from that um you know, this has been a, a really good one. I, I, you know, as I was sourcing for speakers for this episode, I had a couple of messages from, you know, some product management folks who were telling me straight up, like, this is happening to me in, in real time. I'm really excited to hear what folks have to say about this getting layered concept. So I'm really happy that we were able to address it. Uh, I think it'll be helpful for, for a lot of our listeners. And uh, I just want to thank you all so much for, for spending time with us. Um, is there anywhere specific on social that you want to shout out where, you know, um, our, our guests can find you? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram at Lady Cornfish. Uh, on Twitter, it's a mix of tech and sports. <laughs> and UCLA. Yeah, <laughs> UCLA Dodgers. Don't, don't, don't talk about my Lakers. Uh, and then TikTok. Uh, and I'll just also like the intersection, intersectionality of being a woman, being queer, being Latinx. Same thing on TikTok. Uh, it's mostly queer focus uh, and tech. Uh, but yeah, come come see some cute chihuahuas and me gripe about the Lakers and cheer on UCLA. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, Sean, what about yourself? Oh, you'll find me almost nowhere. Uh, <laughs> 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 No no cool on that note we'll we'll leave no trace we'll we'll get the hell out of here thanks uh, <laughs> thanks for listening thanks for joining us guys cool thanks thanks Thank you Thank you for listening to the pair program. If you'd like to continue the conversation from this week's episode, you can do so with the Hatchpad community. Join us at chat.myhatchpad.com.